Well, today we're starting a brand new series, a four-week series on family. And so if, if you are single, if you are married, if you're divorced, if you're an empty nester, you've got one, two, three, four, five kids or 12 kids or however many kids, like this is a series for all of us. And so because every one of us is a part of a family. You're a part of the family that you were born into, that, or, or maybe you're like me, you're a part of the family that you were adopted into. And then those of us who are followers of Jesus, you're part of the family of God. And so we, we want to talk about family from, uh, that includes everyone, regardless of, of where you are in, in this season of life. If you're a young adult, a teenager, to old and gray like me, whatever it is. So we're, we're going to take the, the next four weeks to study one chapter of the Bible. And so we're going to be in Joshua chapter 24 today. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. If you are using the Bible from the back, it's page 162, 162. And you know me, if you've been around here for a while, you know I always say, you know, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, right? And so, I mean, just it makes me think, you know, what would happen? And what would happen if, if, if all of us decided that we were going to spend the first 10 minutes of our day before we get on social media, before we get on the news media, before checking our email, we, we spent the first 10 minutes of our day engaging with the Bible and praying. I think it would, it would revolutionize, revolutionize, revolutionize our lives and our marriages and our families and, and our church family as well. Because here's the thing, like, we, we live in a country, we live in a world, we live in a, in a time which just, it seems to, to downplay the value of family. Right? And, and, and that's, that's whether it's a family, the last name, you know, you're la that joined together because of the, the last name or because of the, God, the family of God, right? That we just kind of like, oh, well, you know, and just like family and just we make all these excuses and kind of downplay it. I mean, and so like, the, the percentage of, of people attending worship, like in the downplay of, of like our church family, the percentage of people who are attending worship in America today is at the lowest percentage in the history of our country right now. Divorce rates are high. Families without fathers in them is, is an all-time high. You know, just, and so in this series, we, we want to look at, at a man named Joshua and, and his God. And, and how Joshua makes a statement. He, he, he wants to make sure that he's, he's leading his, his family at home. And he wants to lead the people of God, the family of God, in such a way that I think we can learn something from him. And, and what he's writing in, in, this, uh, in this, this book called Joshua. And to just kind of give you a little glimpse of where we're starting at as we're picking up the, the reading at the end of Joshua, is that the Joshua, he's actually, he's the leader of Israel. And, and he's come to the very last chapter of his life. He's 110 years old, okay? Older than me, right? And, and he's, he's called all the leaders of Israel together for this, this one final impassioned plea, this one message that he wants to give, with them, give to them. And what we're going to look at today is that, that Joshua is looking back to, to God's gracious hand. And, and in the weeks to come, we're going to talk about how this call that Joshua makes to, to worship God and to, to, to look, recognize his faithfulness and then a call to servanthood. But all this, this whole entire series is actually leading towards this, this one statement that Joshua makes. And I'm, I'm going to give you the spoiler alert. You can read ahead on this, but this, this is where we're, we're all leading to. Where Joshua makes this famous statement that I want every one of us, whether we're, we're single or married or divorced or wherever we are, that we at some point would make this declaration that Joshua makes. 
when he says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what we're working towards. And so I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So, so let's go to the, to the beginning of Joshua chapter 24. So if you've got your Bibles, Joshua 24, verse 1. It says, then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. Can you say Shechem? Shechem, right. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. So I had you say that word Shechem, because sometimes I think when, when we read of places, we kind of just glimpse over them real quick, or, or, or maybe you stop if you have, you know, maps in the back of your Bible, you're like, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll go and look and see exactly what we're talking about, where this is, and you take them in, you're like, okay, I, I see geographically where we are, and, you know, and we're talking about here, and, and Joshua, and that, that's great, but, oh, today I'm going to be like, stop. There is so much more than just read, check them, and look it up on a map. There's so, so much more. Because this isn't just some random place on a map. It's actually where the, the nation of Israel got its start. If you look back in Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, it says this. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at where? Shechem. Right? At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So this is the place. When, when Joshua has called all of the people together at this place called Shechem, all the leaders and all the heads of the households and everything, like, this is the place, the very place where it all got started, where, where God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. What's this land called? The promised land. And so it's, it's the culmination of actually a promise that was made 600 years before Joshua has called all these people together. And so what he's going to do in, in this last chapter is he's going to remind them of just how faithful and how gracious God Almighty has been to the people of Israel through all, all 600 of those years. And he's going to ask the, the, the elders and the leaders and the judges and the officials of Israel, say, hey, you know that covenant that, that God made with, with Abraham 600 years ago? Let, let's, let's, let's renew that covenant. Let, let's, let's remind ourselves of everything that God had promised to Abraham that we are, are now getting to live into, the fullness of that promise. And so is their meeting there? Their, God is there. This is, this is holy ground that they're standing on. And it goes on in verse uh, 2. Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. And so as Joshua is writing this down, right, right this is, oops, this, this is the word of God, right? The Bible is the word of God. And Joshua's saying, hey, God is going to speak to us now, so we need to listen. And, and, and so God is going to start speaking now. And he's going to say, here's what I have done. And so in Joshua 24, verses 2 through 13, we, just, we see God just explaining very clearly, giving a history lesson of what has happened. Let, let, let me just give you a quick summary. So verses 2 to 4 is God's call of Abraham and, and the formation of the nation of Israel. Then verses 5 to 7, he turns his attention to Moses and Aaron and the experience of the people in Egypt. And you know, just during their time of slavery and their eventual deliverance through the Exodus. In verses 8 to 10, he describes the wandering of Israel in the wilderness and, and how God protected them. 
verses 11 to 13, he reminded them of how they, they crossed over the Jordan River on dry land and their, and their conquest of the promised land. And really, the, the, the whole point of, of this kind of brief reminder of Israel's history is, is to, to highlight the, the preeminence of God's sovereign grace. And just, and just if, you, if you've got your Bibles open, you, you, can just, you can see just in the first couple of verses, just the, the intentional emphasis of God's initiative. Look, look at verse 3a. I took your father, Abraham. Second part of verse 3, I led him throughout Canaan. The last part of verse 3, I gave him Isaac. It's not Joshua's, not the I. God is the I. Verse 4, the first part, and to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. Second part of verse 4, I assigned the hill country. First part of verse 5, I sent Moses and Aaron. Second part of verse 5, I afflicted the Egyptians. And so on and on and on, verse after verse after verse, God's like, here's what I did, here's what I did. There are 21 times, maybe if you're writing your Bibles, you want to write out 21 times. We see the, the first person singular in verses 2 through 13. God is the subject of this. The ultimate reason why Abraham came out of paganism and birthed a nation is, is because of God's sovereign, saving grace. And I'm telling you, it's the only reason any of us are here, whether you're online or in the room. It's because of God's sovereign, saving grace that we find in Jesus. It's the only reason that we have a possession of eternal life and forgiveness of sin. And so what I, what I want to do today is I, I, I want to, I'm trying to put this, this realization on you that, that God is seeking to, to put on, on the people back in Joshua chapter 24, right, to check them that day. And this, is, this is such an, an important point, and it, just, it, it serves to, to really indicate the, the real purpose of this list and all these verses of what God has done. Really, it, just, it stretches. He's like, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning, back to where Abraham started our nation like, this, this is a history of the people. Like, Joshua's like, this is our history. We are the people of God. This is an account of, of what God has, has done for us. I mean, God would not, I mean, the, the people of Israel would not be in the promised land if it was not for God. Hey, it's, 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 it's what he has done on their behalf. It's, 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 it's the gracious hand of God in their life. And, and this is one of those things, and, and some people I know were, were history people, some people are like, eh, it didn't do so well in history. Like, we just, when we get into history stuff, we kind of just read over it and skip it or whatever, but it just, like, think about this. When, when, you, when you're reading a history in the Bible, it's, it's not simply to give you some kind of mental recall of events in the past. You see, to remember in the Bible is to participate to remember in the Bible is to participate. I mean, the Apostle Paul, he, he reminds the church in, in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 10, he's like, hey, guys, the, the, the Gentiles uh, that he was writing to in his day, right, after Jesus, right, after the Holy Spirit's given, the church has given birth, he's like, hey, guys, even though we're Gentiles, we're still connected to Moses and the Hebrews being delivered from slavery in Egypt, and now we, like we read in Joshua 24, this, this history lesson, it's not simply to, hey, I just want to give you some information about, history, about, about the history of Israel from, from the 15th century to the 4th century B.C. He's saying, this is our history. This is our story. 
And for us too, in the 21st century, the exodus was as much our redemption as the cross is our redemption. Because all of the Bible is connected and it's all pointing to what is to come, or more accurately, who is to come, Jesus. So I, like, as I'm reading this and I'm preparing for today, I'm like, do we think this way? Like, do, do we find ourselves in the story in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Do, do we think like this in terms of like, hey, all of my life is connected even all the way back to, to that first conversation between God and Abraham? Or do we just kind of like, hey, I'm the 21st century, you know, and this is my family with the same last name. And like, is that all the further we think? Or do we see that we're part of this, this grander story of what God has been doing even before creation? So just, I think it's, this is like so important for us to get. We're, we're just like the Israelites, right? And so Joshua, he, he wants the people to, to never forget that, that they owed everything. I mean, literally everything that they had up until this point to God. Like the, the Israelite army, they, they had won battle after battle. Often they, they would rout armies that, that were significantly larger and, and, and like better equipped, like 10 to 1 odds. I mean, it's just like, there's no way we're going to win this. They slaughter them all by the hand of God. But put yourself in their place. It would have been very tempting to start believing as, as the army and the people of Israel, like, oh, look what we did. We, pro- we conquered the promised land. We did this. We routed those armies. We did all of this. Right? We're, we're something special. And anytime that you can start going down that road, it's, it's, it's a deadly road to go down. And so Joshua, he knew. He knew this was going to be such a temptation that once his people started taking credit for their victories, that they would then turn away from God. And I think the same is true for all of us. As soon as we start taking credit for, for our lives and what we have, then we're no longer going to be looking to the cross. We're no longer be looking to Jesus. Be like, look what I did. I'm so great. And so we, we look to this, this story of Joshua and what, what God has done in the people of Israel to, to remind us of who we are and who God is. And so I want, today I want to talk about how do we build a grace-based family. And if you're taking notes, we've got three points for today. And in order for us, and this doesn't matter if you're, you're single or a teenager or, or married or divorced or, or whatever it is, like, this is, this is like... Your family is the last name and our church family. So the first thing is we, we have to re- remember who we were and who we were. Look at Joshua 24, verse 3. But I took your father Abraham, and so this is God speaking, right? But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. So when, when God and Abram met for the very first time, who was Abraham? He was an idolater, just, just like everyone else where he lived. And as Abram, I mean, he, he wasn't on some kind of quest to, to find God. Instead, God went looking for him. And, and so Joshua reminds the people of Israel who Abraham was before God. And that God, he was the one who initiated this relationship. We need to do the same thing. Who, who were you? Who, who, were, who was I? before we, we surrendered our lives to Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. 
Like I, I think back to those days when I lived far, far away from God. Like I, I need to, to think back every once in a while to be, remember what it was that I was doing so that I, I would think about what God has done for me. He sent his son Jesus. This is the way it's described in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, Jesus came down from heaven for you and for me. It was a rescue mission. Hey, come on. When, when I was 21 years old, I was not looking for Jesus. He came looking for me. And he's come looking for you, too. You know what? If you think back when this first interaction between God and Abraham, no one, no, not even Abraham would have ever predicted that, that Abraham was going to become the patriarch of, of the people of God. No one in that little town of Ur where he grew up, right, would, would, would think that, oh man, this is the guy that was going to become a friend of God. Right? There, there's nobody who I graduated high school with who's like, he's going to be a pastor one day. They'd be like, he's going to be in prison one day. Right, JD? <laughs> right? And, and so like, this is like, we start looking at the connection of the way that God looked at Abraham and the way God looks at us. And it's like, it's this mercy, this, this undeserving and un, uninterested sinner named Abraham, or, or you put your own name in there, right, that, that actually received this spiritual transformation that uh, it, was, it was upon someone who, who didn't expect it, who didn't desire it, and he did, he, he contributed nothing to it. It's all the grace of God. And it's the same for, for you and for me and Jesus. It's all grace. See, grace is the, 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 the unearnable favor of God. This is the way Paul puts it in Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So remember, remember who you were before you were in Jesus. Second thing to build a grace-based family is, you gotta remember, God's timing is perfect. Look at Joshua 24, 13. God says, so I gave you a land in which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them and eat from vineyards and all groves that you did not plant. So think about this. It took 600 years for God's promise to be fulfilled. Anybody waiting for 600 years? You, you excited about that? Anybody? Nobody, right? And, and, and according to Exodus 12, 40, out of those 600 years, the people of Israel were in slavery in Egypt for 430 years. Now just imagine how many generations that were growing up in that slavery, like, okay, God, when are you going to fulfill your promises to Abraham? When are you going to, is this the year? Is this the century? Is this the generation? Like, when, God? Right? They, they didn't know. And I think today, like t for us, I mean, it would just, it would be so much easier for us Christians today if, if, if things happen more quickly, right? Like, according to your timetable and my timetable, right? Anybody? Yeah. Right? If our afflictions came and went in a few days instead of months or years, if, if, if our prayers were like we, we knelt down or sat down and we prayed, God, would you please heal this person? Would you please restore this marriage? And like you got up and it was done every single time. Be like, that's what I want. That's not how it always works. See, Joshua makes clear that the life of faith is an endurance race, not a sprint. Things come slowly in the life of faith. And it just, it involves a lot 
of waiting. We just, we just see throughout the Bible that, that waiting is, is synonymous for faith. But by God's grace, in his perfect timing, he, he's going to fulfill every promise to us that is in Jesus because his timing is perfect. And so if you, you want to build a, a grace-based family, that, then you need to trust that God's timing for you is perfect. And then third, I want you to know that God is fighting for you. Look at Joshua 24, 11. God says, then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did the, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Latrobians. Oh, no, that was, sorry. <laughs> I practiced those names before church today. But I love what it says. What's it say? Read it with me. But I gave them into your hands. After 40 years of, of wandering in the desert, the, the people, they, they come to the, to the Jordan River. It's in flood stage, right? And, and they get to cross over on, on dry land. And, and they were faced with, not with just like, okay, it's all yours. No, they came to walled cities and well-fortified armies of seven nations. And what did they do? They marched and walls fell down. Armies were, were routed all because of the, the gracious, powerful hand of God Almighty. And so like, we, we, we experience the same thing today. Right? Just because when, when we start thinking you know, things are good and we're ready to, to break through into something like, hey, I, that's where I, was, I think that's going to be a good thing for me, then, then all of a sudden it's like we, we come up against a, an obstacle that just seems insurmountable. Oh, man, I can't believe it. I thought things were just starting to get good. Just, we just got a good health report. Our, our marriage was just starting to finally come back together. Or just, I finally got some direction for my life as a young adult or, or whatever it might be. And then it was just like, oh. But now we got this health issue. We, got the, we just found out about infidelity or a DUI or a job loss or whatever. And in those moments, it's just it's so tempting to just be like, God. Where are you? Like, where are these blessings that you promised to me in Jesus? Right? And it's just like, I, I, I want to, to live into everything that you've promised me, God. But here's another obstacle. Here's another thing. That's what the Israelites were probably thinking. I, th I thought we were going to the promised land, and now here's this wall, the walls of Jericho, bigger than any walls we've ever seen in our entire lives. Oh, my goodness. You know, I just... You know, sometimes I read through the Bible and I, and I see these promises and I see these things that are just such an encouragement. You know, I'll read in like Hebrews 11 about, about those who, who trusted in God. It says this, those who trusted in God conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword, weakness turned to strength, became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. I'm like, that's what I want. Anybody? Anybody want that? Like, okay, 12 people said yes. Okay. Right? And I, I just get pumped up. I'm like, yes, that's what God has promised to us who are in Jesus. But then I keep reading. In Hebrews 11, it says, There were others who were faithful, who were tortured, faced jeers and flogging. They were stoned, sawed in two, killed by the sword. They went around in sheepskin and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. I'm like, nuh-uh, not me, man. I'll take the first half, right? But it's both. 
The Bible is relentlessly honest. There will be blessings and there will be difficulties. And by God's grace, we are looking forward to a future hope and home. Right? Where, where, where the greatest blessings of this world pale in comparison to what we receive in eternity. And, and the greatest griefs that we experience on this earth will, will be all simple, completely wiped away. So remember, remember the promise God gave to the people of Israel, but I gave them into your hands. God is fighting for you. So I, I want to close with two things that Hopefully, I just will, will remind us that, that God is fighting for us, that God's timing is perfect, and, and just this is a reminder of, of where we were before Jesus. You know, for me, I, I oftentimes, I need something tangible to, to help me to remember of something that has happened in the past, just to kind of get me through the, the present situation that I'm in. And for me, oftentimes, it's, it's music, it's songs. Right? My, my mind, I'll hear a song, and my mind will go back to something that, you know, that happened, <laughs> good or bad. Right? And, and the, those lyrics, they, they become embedded in my mind. I can not hear a song for like three years and it comes on the radio and I'm like, I'm singing right along. Right? Like it's, a, it's amazing how that happens. And just those lyrics, they, they get embedded in me and, and they, again, they shape my, my history. Right? They, they shape my, my experience and, and who I've become. And like, so, so I, I know for a fact that, that God has been gracious to every single one of us. And sometimes it's easy to remember about God's gracious hand. Other times, it seems impossible. And in those impossible and those difficult times, we, we need something tangible to, to remember God's promises and, and his faithfulness in the past so we don't forget in the present. That's what Joshua's doing here. He's saying, I want you to remember what happened in the past so you can remember that he's still faithful today. And so on your way in uh, this morning, uh, you should have gotten a rock, stone, right, stone. And uh, thank you for not throwing them today at me. It's great. <laughs> People are like, oh, you're pretty, you know, confident that no one's going to throw that at you today. And I'm like, eh. And so whenever I was loading up those five-gallon buckets this weekend, uh, you know, I started off, like, I'm, I'm looking for the clean rocks, the smooth rocks, the nice rocks. And I'm like, you know what? That's not life. There were some rocks that had some mud on it and some rocks that had some dirt and some divots in it and everything. And I'm like, that's life, right? We need to have just as many rocks that are muddy and dirty as we have that are clean and smooth and, and nice because that's a better picture of reality. So at the beginning of this book of Joshua, it talks about how they, they've moved from the, the desert and they're, they're standing on the, the banks of this Jordan River, right? And, and they step into the river, and it, it, it dries up by God's gracious hand. And God says to Joshua that as you're going through, I want you to pick up 12 stones, one for each nation of Israel and the family of God, just as, a, just as a reminder of what God has done. And when they got to the other side, they, they stacked the 12 rocks on top of each other so that every single person that ever walked by that until those rocks were torn down would remember this is the place. This is the place 600 years before God had promised to Abraham that you're going to cross over and you're going to go into the promised land. I'm going to give you this land. This is the place. And it was a, it was a rock that was, that was given to, to remind them of that. 
You know, there, there, there are times in, in the Old Testament especially that there, you know, we see people lifting up a stone as a reminder of God's faithfulness. Earlier in the service, we sang an old hymn called, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It was written in 1758. And, and one of the stanzas says, Here I raise my Ebenezer. Right? You know what an Ebenezer is? It's a rock. It's, it's a rock, a stone of help. Here I raise my Ebenezer, here by thy great help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. And so whenever the Israelites would look at those 12 stones that they picked up as they were crossing over the dry ground in, of, of the Jordan, right? it was just this, this reminder of God's faithfulness, of his gracious hand in bringing them into the promised land. So no matter what you're experiencing, no matter what I'm experiencing in the moment, we, we can remember God's sovereign grace to us, and we would worship him. Another stanza of that old hymn says, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing calls for songs of what? Loudest praise. See, I, I want to invite you to do, with, as a single person, as a married couple, as a family, where, you know, whatever you are, what, what, what Joshua does with the people of Israel. Like it, it's important to, to review these, these past blessings and, 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 and to make a, a written record of God's faithfulness. You know, we, we, we need to gather our kids together and say, hey, you remember when mom or when dad lost their job and, and we prayed and we prayed and prayed and God provided a job? Maybe this week you, you sit down with your kids and you talk about that and how God was gracious to your family and you write on your rock, new job or God's faithfulness. Or, or, or maybe you, know, you're, you talk to your, your teenagers and you say, hey, you know, remember during the pandemic and everything was shut down and just felt like we, we, you missed so many important milestones during that time. But we trusted in God's faithfulness and we made our own memories. Maybe you sit down with your teenagers and you write on your rock, new memories, or maybe as a husband and wife, you sit down sometime today and you pull out a Sharpie and you say, you know what, you, you remember when we got married? Remember when we, we stood before God and, and family and we said, you know what, till death do us part. And it hasn't always been easy. It's been a lot of hard times. But we made a commitment to each other and to God. And maybe you write on your rock, marriage. And maybe you're, you're single and you're, you're a teenager and you're, just, you're new in your faith or you're struggling in your faith and you're just like, oh man, I, 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 I'm in Jesus. I'm struggling right now, but I'm in Jesus. And you're like, I, I remember what it was like apart from Jesus. And I remember that day when I gave my life to Jesus and, and everything did change. And even though it's really hard right now and the struggles of life, I, I know I'm going to heaven. And maybe you write on your rock, salvation. You know, this past weekend, my, my sister and her husband were, were visiting, and we just, for whatever reason, we started talking about when Kelly and I first got married. And we're just, like, I had forgotten some of the things that we experienced and just how, how little we had back then. You know, we're just kind of laughing and joking about the things that we experienced back then, and, you know, and just, I'm like, but we had enough. He provided everything we needed. So I wrote on my rock, Provision. Because what it, he provided everything that we needed then, and even now, 
more than 30 years later, he continues to provide everything that we need. And so I just, I want you to think back of a time when, when you, you experienced God's goodness and grace in your life. And you would grab a Sharpie and you would write your word on your rock. And then I would invite you to, to, to put your rock someplace that you're going to see it. Maybe you need to, you know, if you have a family and you can stack all your rocks together in some place in your home and people are going to come in like, what is that stack of rocks about? And it gives you a chance to talk about what God, how God has been gracious to you in your life. And that, that, that pile of rocks that's beside the Jordan River stayed there for generations and people, every time people walked by, they remembered, they remembered, they remembered. Maybe you pass your rock on to your kids, to your grandkids, to your great-grandkids. You know, as we were talking yesterday, my, my brother-in-law, I said, Christian, you should write this stuff down. I'm like, who cares? He's like, your grandkids will. Next generation will. They need to hear about what God has been doing in your life and what he's done and how he's been faithful and generous and gracious to you. And so the, the, the band's going to come up as we get ready for our, our last, two, last two songs? One song. Last song. And... Um, you, you can hold on to your rock while you sing. You can ask God to kind of reveal to you, you know, what's, your, what's the word that reminds you of God's graciousness in the past for your present. And I want us to, we're, we're, we're going to sing a song, I Raise a Hallelujah. And so, you know, if you want to raise your Ebenezer, <laughs> those of you who are like, I finally found out what Ebenezer means, right? You, you can do that. Right? We, when we sing that, that, that you know, we remember that, that the, the last line of that verse calls for songs of loudest praise. We're going to invite you to sing louder and louder and louder because of what God has done for you in Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Holy Father, thank you. Thank you so much for reminders of your gracious hand. That we can see how you acted. In, in the history of Israel, which is our history. We just see how, how you've just dealt with them so graciously. They, they didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. You, you, you are generous in your graciousness to them. God, would you remind us today of a time or a situation which it just it seemed hopeless or helpless, the walls seemed too high, but you were there. And you were faithful. So God, as we, we, we raise our voices for this last song together, may we, may we remember, may we praise you, may we raise a hallelujah for what you have done in us and for us in Jesus. And never take it for granted. And live for your glory. Father, we love you and we praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,